Welcome to the Best Self Podcast. Today we've got a ridiculous, awesome guest. We've got Dr. Jim Van Allen with us. He works closely with uh, John Gordon. If you know anything about John Gordon, you know all about positivity. And, and this big dog that we have in front of us today, he is a massive advocate for education. He's a, a keynote speaker. He's a high energy guy. He is a guy you sit in a room with for five minutes and your values already shot up through the roof. So, man, we are excited to have you. I'm starting to run out of things to make up about you. I can continue if you want, Brad, but no, that's, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really glad to be here. Love what you're trying to do and glad we can add the communication and the education piece here. So I'm excited to talk with you today. Yeah, there are so many great nuggets. I feel like you and I could have four different, we could run a series on this stuff because it's our juice. I mean, this is what we do for a living. Uh, man, and, and it's universal stuff. I mean, you and I both cl work closely with education, but CEOs need this stuff. I mean, if you worked as you, if you were an NFL head coach, you need this stuff to, to win the locker room. You, you know, there's so many good stuff. I guess I, the first thing I would love to ask you, uh, just kind of dive into the, the Van Allen train is if you were, if you were in charge of hiring, you're a superintendent or your principal or you're a CEO, if you're in charge of hiring, what are some of the things that you're looking for in a hire right off the bat? That's great. So what I would say, and what I've said to this too, is first of all, do I know my own culture at my school? So have I set a culture that has, that values open communication, that values relationships, that values positive thinking and positive energy. So I've set those pillars in place, right? And then I hire for that. So I think a lot of people get it backwards, right? They, they hire the person, then they kind of they figure out the, the, the culture part later. They just kind of hire people, but it's got to be the other way around where you're hiring for your culture. You got to get your culture right first, wherever you are. And that's why when I go into schools and go into companies, we talk so much about the value of building a positive culture that puts relationships and communication and those soft skill things first. So if I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm hiring somebody, I'm literally going to pull out my, my values chart, my mission, my, my culture statement, my vision, I'm going to say, does this person match up to what we're trying to do here? Because if your culture is right, you can plug people in and coach them up. You can coach them accordingly as long as they're already sort of in line with what you're trying to do there. So culture is absolutely everything. Culture, you know, is, is, is the competitive advantage that schools and companies are looking for. And you hire the person that's going to fit that exactly as you see fit. Oh man, where do I even start with that? <laughs> where do you start? <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. And I couldn't, man, I couldn't agree with you more. You have your core values and you hire around your core values. Yeah. I, well, uh, you know, and it's, and it's honestly, it's that simple. Like a lot of people, they just don't understand the value of culture and core values because they never really looked at it from an organizational standpoint. Because, you know, John always, John Gordon says, he talks about the root and the fruit. Yeah. And a lot of organizations and schools are so focused on the fruit, right? The test scores, the attendance rates, the teacher evaluations, yeah. the quantitative stuff. While it's important, obviously, sure. okay, sure, but it's not everything. 
And I'm not a numbers guy. I'm really not. I, when I wrote my dissertation, I wanted to focus on the words and the interview and the people part of education. So they focus a lot on that and they don't focus on the soft skill training. Right. They don't focus on the fact that, you know, I need to have, I need to have relationships be a priority. How do you have better relationships? A lot of people, they come from a background where their relationships maybe are not that strong. Communication is not that strong in their families or in their upbringing. And they bring that into the workplace. So a lot of times that's why employers and teachers and educators have to focus so much on helping them develop good communication skills because communication is a generational thing. It's what we've been taught as we've been growing up. And if you were taught poorly, you're going to be a poor communicator. Get up because you just don't know any better. So that's why it has to be a focus in the workplace and in our schools. Boom. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love, God, I love that, you know, cause it sounds like, I mean, what we need to focus on is uh, people potential. I mean, whether it be talking about the previous question about hiring or, you know, how we assess in schools, I look at, I look at schools and not that our core we got all these core content areas and we got our electives and we got all this stuff, but K through 12, I don't know. I don't know if you, maybe you, maybe you were different, but me growing up, I grew up, I had a, I was in a great school district, had great schools, but I don't think K through 12, there was ever a class on soft skills, on people potential, on uh, growth per word. You know, what are your word? I mean, I, was there ever, did you ever have a class along those lines? No, it was all, and it's all academically focused. You know, I mean, I took a speech class, but only because I wanted to, and I was always pretty good at it. Yeah. But I don't know if you've seen the documentary that's been out on Netflix, uh, on Amazon Prime, it's called Most Likely to Succeed. Hmm. I recommend if you're an educator, you know, looking at the, the first one where it just talks about how the education system was set up a hundred years ago, 120 years ago. Where and it was set up exactly like we have now. Nothing's changed. Where it's all where it's a singular subject focus, and you move from class to class. Right. That's how it was set up. You know, in the pre nineteen hundreds or so. Even if you go way back in time to Greek and uh, and Roman days, that were set up very similar as well. As far as how their academies were set up, we haven't changed much past that. And you know, I've talked to a lot of students uh, being on John Gordon's team, and obviously going into these schools and. What they'll tell me is that we want classes on how to invest in the stock market, how to manage a budget, how to do your taxes, how to you know function in a society, and you can add the communication and relationships piece to it. And they have some of those classes, but they're in college and they're electives, right? I took interpersonal communication, I took nonverbal communication, but it was all electives. Right. Those are the skills that we so desperately need to function appropriately and just, just flourish better in our world. No That's why I think it. we're here. I think yeah. we're here to, to develop and maintain relationships with people. Boom. We're, not meant to, we're not meant to walk this earth alone. We're not meant to live in silo, work in silo. We're meant to interact and be with people. Yeah. But if you don't have that foundation set up on how to do it right, it's, it's going to go poorly and you're going to just keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. No doubt about it, man. Yeah. We always said that relationships are the true power grid. And like I said, I get so frustrated because, and I, uh, when I was doing, uh, there was a high school I taught out about 10 or 12 years ago. And the first thing that administrator would ask me is what were your test scores? And my test scores were the best in the district. Uh, 
but that was the first question. And that's uh, just really frustrating that people don't, I've had good, I had good administrators, I had bad ones. Um, I once asked a, a principal, there was only one person that was going to get hired in the entire district. That was a budget cut. My first year as a teacher, I was the youngest guy, obviously on staff. We had budget cuts and I was the first one to go. There ended up being a spot that opened up uh, at an elementary. And I, at the time, wanted nothing to do with that. And it turned out to be a total blessing. Uh, ankle biters are probably my favorite, but uh, yeah, I, I remember asking the principal at the very end of the interview, what is it you're looking for in this hire? And I think I've told this story a couple of times, but anyway, she, she said, it has nothing to do with content. I want to know, one, is this guy an advocate for kids? Two, is this person going to mesh with the chemistry and the culture we've already got present? And uh, three, is this person teachable slash coachable? Is this person feel like they've reached it or do they feel like, you know, they're a growth mindset type person where they feel like they've still got more. And I've always hung on to that. Uh, I've always un hung on to that with hires or when people I'm letting into my own circle. Uh, nothing to do with content, nothing to do with test scores. And that's exactly, and that's always been my style too. So I, I'm also, in addition to, to, to working for John and, and running my podcast, I'm a university professor and I right. teach fully online right now, yes. fully online the last four years. But before that, I was on campus for four years and I would teach public speaking. And I was not a believer in tests. And it just because it just didn't lend itself well to the class, I would give them group projects to do. And I would say, your exam is going to be your, your final speech. Your exam is going to be your final group project. And you know what? Sometimes I would even do a completion where you do it, you do it well, you, you accomplish the objectives, completion score. Because I just didn't care as well. How can you distinguish between a 95 and a 91 yeah. on a group? Pro you know, right. it was more to me right about the, their ability to, to communicate and interact. And I was watching them all semester and all month, you know, how they were interacting with their teammates and doing more one-on-one -on -one teaching that way. And I could tell who was in it and right. who was not. Yep. And to me, one of the first questions I would ask, you know, is not what are your test scores? I would say, well, tell me a success story about a student who you helped so or somebody who was struggling. And, and what was the end result of that? Or, and, yeah. or, or maybe it didn't end up so well. Tell me how that happened too. Right. I want to know those personal stories. Yes. You can teach somebody how to teach, right? You can teach them, you can give them the, the pedagogical, pedagogical you know, tips to try. But the care for students, the care for the profession, the care for communication, relationships, people who really want to be there, mm, you can't teach that one. <laughs> that's heavy harder. So that's what I would be looking for. And that's what I encourage my teachers to do when I'm, when I'm interacting with them is focusing on that part. Uh, so good, man. That is the goods. Do you think that happiness comes before success or do you think happiness is a result of success? Oh man, I, so that's a great. I've heard that quote before. You know where this. You know, do you get when you get the big job and the pile of money? Are you happy then, or, you know? So I'm always, you know, I'm always. I have to go with the happiness part, right? Yeah. I mean, it's that inner that inner joy that we all search for. Yep. And John Gordon does a lot of on one word, right? What's your one word for 2020, 2021? And my one word for 2021 coming up here is, and if this is coming out on Tuesday, it's going to be the new year. My one word is spirit. 
and it has, it's the fruit of the spirit. I want to be, have a more joyful heart, right? A more mm. gentle heart, patient, loving, kind. I want to be that core person that is joyful. And if success becomes as a result of that, great. I know it will though, because you know, you, your listeners, right? Who do you really want to be around? You want to be around joyful, happy people, high energy, personality, positive people. That's the type of people you want to be around in 2021. And if given the choice, you're going to be, you're going to choose that type of person probably a hundred percent of the time over the opposite. Right. So you being a good person, joyful outlook on life, positive attitude is going to help you impact people more. They're right. going to want to, they're going to want to listen to you and, and, and hear you and take advice from you and do programming with you. And then that's the success part that will come. Right. Yeah. And so what you're talking about is intentional thinking, right? I mean, you're talking about, because if, if you want to be joyful, you have to go out, you have to go out and seek that. It's not just going to come to you. So right. how do you go about doing that? Well, so joy comes from, you know, joy is going to come from the divine to me. I mean, I think you know, if you're connected to, if you're connected to God, I think that's going to really help you to, to find true joy, because if you're connected to Jesus and you're connected to God, you have the, that is joy. God is joy. God is life. You're going to be mm-hmm. connected to that. Right. So that's, that's step one for, for me, for sure, is, is expanding your faith. And, and, you know, I'm not sure where your listeners are in this, but just meditating in, in the word and, mm looking introspectively, right? Because, and then saying, you know, I think a lot of people get so caught up in the day to day of being busy with life that they don't stop and think about, hmm, they don't self-analyze. They don't look introspectively and say, well, how, how am I really doing? How am I really feeling? What's going on with me emotionally? You know, you kind of take the temperature yourself there from a social emotional standpoint. And that's what you said. That's the intentional part, right? So you want to be a better communicator? You want to have better relationships with people it takes work, right? right? It takes continual work. That's good stuff, dude. Great job. Awesome. I'm getting, I feel like I need to get in a three point stance here and just maybe do some sprints. This is good. <laughs> I get, filling you with some good energy for the new year. That's the whole goal, right? That's the whole goal. Everybody look at this year, this coming year, 2021. I can just tell people are just like you. They want to get in that sprinter stance and take off, right? They they're tired of being held down by 2020. And I'm sick of talking about 2020 yeah. and what a quote bad year it was and all sure. this stuff. I'm sick of hearing about that because you know what? People just think because when it turns midnight on January 1st, uh, it's going to be like a light switch and all of a sudden things are going to be different. It's only going to be different if you work at it. (laughs) If you, you know, if you're working on the relationships with people around you, if you're setting goals for yourself and then putting plans in place to achieve those goals, listening to podcasts like yours, right? And like mine, communicate to motivate where you're trying to say, okay, let me listen to this and literally try to be my best self. Yes. Try to have better communication skills. Try to do all these self-help things and put yourself out there and say, you know what? I need some help with these topics and I'm going to, I want others to pour into me so I can be my best, my best self in the 2021. So don't just think because it's midnight, you know, your life is you know, the world is back to normal, whatever the case is, that's not going to happen, folks. So it has, it's got to be, it's up to you. It's up to everybody listening right now to turn 2021 around. Well, and the beauty is it is a choice. I mean, we all, you, you mentioned it earlier and uh, it feels like we speak a lot of the same language. I, we always talk about 
competitive advantages. And uh, the ability to understand that you have that choice is a competitive advantage. Uh, the ability you talked about listening, you know, listening, uh, it's funny you brought up, you know, being a better listener. Um, I wanted to ask you before I forget, I was thinking about this earlier. You know, we talk about being a better listener. I believe listening is a character trait. And uh, you were talking about, I heard you talking about focus. And I was reading something on meditation. You know, meditation is supposed to be a deal where people dial it in and some people brainstorm, some people try to clear their head. It's kind of different for everybody, but everyone's trying to focus. And I read a, a study where 47% of people who meditate have wandering minds. <laughs> That's a big stat. Cause there's a lot of people that don't want to meditate either because they feel like it's like weird or mm -hmm. they feel like because they can't focus, they don't think you're getting anything out yet. 47% of people have wandering minds and you're talking about focus. So if 47, that those 47%, whether it be during meditating or listening to your partner or your wife, or your husband, or your student, or your employee, how do we shave out of that 47%? How do we become a little more focused than we were 10 minutes ago? Well, when it comes to, to, to listening, and that, that, that is a big stat, and, and you know what, that our, our society and our technology and our social media and smartphone use definitely contribute to this wandering mind syndrome, because we are constantly under the influence of stimuli. We constantly have our phones near us. We're constantly getting updates and texts and, 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 and all that. I got phones and emails and all this stuff. Sure. So that causes you to not be, not be able to focus singularly on, on things. And that includes a conversation like we're having. Right. So speaking from intentionality. So what I would encourage you to do to be a better listener is to try to hang on their words and paraphrase as you paraphrase back to them as you go. Somebody's talking to you. You can, you, you can find that natural break in the conversation and say, so what you're telling me is that X, Y, and Z, or let me hear you right. So you said that they are going here. So you're, you're, you're doing these little paraphrases as you go, and that helps to keep you locked in and asking clarifying questions as well, finding that natural break in the conversation and just stopping and saying, so I, can you clarify that again? So you're telling me that this is happening or, or what do you think about this? And so asking questions back is another way. I would say paraphrasing and asking questions back, that keeps you locked in. Right. That forces you to not hear them, but listen to them. There's a yes. big difference between just hearing right, right. and listening. Right. Listening, you're doing something with the stimuli, with the messages coming in, the auditory messages coming in. Also, the third thing I would say is nonverbals. Watch their nonverbals. They're going to tell you everything you need to know. Yep. Hand gestures, yep. facial expressions, right. tone of voice, eye contact. All those things will contribute to the overall totality of the message. If you can watch the nonverbals, ask questions back, paraphrase, it's going to keep you locked into the conversation. Right. Yeah, I saw a study years ago um, where 90, 93% of what people are taking in the first time they meet each other are totally nonverbal. So people are always worried about, you know, speeches or speaking in front of people or going into an interview, like wondering if they don't know enough and all this stuff, when only 7% of what's coming out of their mouth are actually the things that people are taking, taking in. Uh, and nonverbals are a fascinating science and they really are a science. And 
and you're right on that statistic. It's 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 anywhere from 60 to 90 percent, if not higher. And I would definitely say it's in that 90 percent range. If you think about it, it's nonverbals is our is our our accountability system hardwired into us from a DNA perspective. The body doesn't know how to lie. The body doesn't know how to lie. There's always going to be a. I don't, I don't play poker. Maybe you do. Some people do yeah. something called a tell, right? Where yeah. he's tapping his right. wrist. He's he's uh, he's clicking his watch. She's she's twirling her hair. You know, there's always some type of a tell to let you know how the body, you know, who is telling the truth, who's holding on to what, who's lying. Right. And it's sort of the hidden language of everything. It's it's allowing you to see through the lines of communication. Well, they said they're feeling great, but their head was down and their tone was down. Mm, I'm going to have a more tendency to believe that nonverbal versus the verbal. Right. But it just takes sort of a, it takes somebody to say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to look at the person in a in a different context from their entire body, even the, the environment, because just because somebody has their arms crossed doesn't mean that they're closed off. It may just be cold. Yeah, okay. Right. And how do I know that? Because they're, they're looking at me, their energy is up, their eye contact is up, they have to have their arms crossed, no big deal. I've analyzed that, you know, rapid fire milliseconds. But it, it just it sort of takes that that intentional pause in a, in a communication, you know, with somebody to say, all right, let me see how let me take in my surroundings, let me take in this person and go from there. Yes, that is awesome. Um, speaking of energy, you are an energy guy. Uh, if, if someone gets you in front of their, their, uh, their faculty or their district or whatever, you are like, you're definitely an energy <laughs> guy. Can you, can you pinpoint a, um, a moment since you started doing all this where you, maybe it was a topic or, or an audience or, or something that happened, you're speaking and the hair on your arm kind of just started to lift like, out of excitement, or it was a feel-good story, or you really feel like this pe- these people were getting them. Is there was has, has there ever been anything like that for you? Oh, sure. I mean, I love so I'll do everything from you know workshops, you know, for maybe fifty teachers or twenty teachers, whatever. But I also do the big keynotes for the districts, where mm-hmm. there's like you know hundreds, a thousand yeah. people in the audience, and nothing hits home like a great. Uh, off the cuff line. And a lot of my, my presentations, I'll, I'll have maybe just a brief set of notes out there just so I'm not left out on a wire sure. without any net. You know, I usually just have a brief, brief set, but honestly, some of the, my best stuff has just been off the top of my head, bantering with the audience. Yeah. And sometimes when I've done that, or I've said something to them to inspire them, it's off the cuff. And I've had a few times where they've all stood up and applauded right? Not at the end, but in the middle or they're hooting hollering in the middle because they know that what I just said is something that is genuine and meaningful, not scripted, not thought. It's just, boom, this is how I'm feeling right now. And that's really what people want, right? Yeah. Audiences that, that I go to, they want to see a real person who's got a real genuine personal message. Yes. So I found that my, my most impactful messages have been the most personal messages, one I did in a year and a half ago was to all the school board members in the state of Florida. I, I mean, that's a pretty big audience. Yeah. I mean, school board members. And I was nervous for this talk and I've been doing this <laughs> a while just because that was a real high level audience. Right. And 
at the end, we were doing the power of positive leadership. At the end, I mentioned that I have two sons who will be entering the school district, the system, right? The school district system that they manage very soon. And that I'm putting my faith and my hope and my trust into all of them to treat my children well with respect and be pouring into them and to build them into these well-rounded functional members of society. And when I said that at the end and I put my, the pictures of my boys up on the screen, they all stood up and applauded. And, and I said, all right, that's my ending line, you know, and I kind of <laughs> went out on that because that was, that was, you know, part of it. I knew I was going to say that, but I didn't know exactly what I was going to say. So when I said it, it just hit home. It hit home to them. I found a message that was relevant. It was delivered in a genuine fashion. Mm-hmm. They could tell that I really meant it and, and it registered with them and it made them stop and say, you know what? Sometimes we have so many students that we forget about the individual students, right? right. We look at them as a group. And then they mm-hmm. saw the pictures of my two boys up there. They saw me not as a speaker, but as a father and as a husband, you know, more specifically a father. And they said, you know what, these, you know, we, sometimes we need to be remembered of who our audience really is, who we're really impacting. Man, thanks for sharing that. That is, that is gold. We're talking about, uh, on the topic of relationship maintenance, there's a lot to uncover there. When I heard you say a stat, and I've had, I've had similar stats. I think you said one in five. Uh, I think I've said something along the lines of 80, 90% of all people in a, disagreement one in five don't believe they're at fault for the disagreement or the little tiff that they had we're trying to have maintenance in a relationship how how are we supposed to move forward when no one wants to accept blame or stemming it or whatever how how do we do that well we have to stop being selfish right we're human beings are selfish we are Okay. Now there's a lot of great human beings out there who give and donate time and money and all this, but deep down inside we're selfish. So we don't, it can't be us, right? (laughs) Okay. It can't be me. So we have to stop being selfish. We have to start looking at ourselves and saying, all right, what, what did I contribute to this misunderstanding? Because where there's smoke, there's fire. There really is. Okay. Somebody's not just upset for no reason. Okay. There's usually something there. And so what I would say is, is uh, taking ownership is a huge part of, of conflict, of understanding conflict and understanding your role in that conflict and just taking a breath and saying, what's going on? How can we move past this? And trying to retreat to separate corners sometimes is helpful. I think we say things that are when we're under emotional stress. And when that happens, we can get ourselves into trouble. Yes. We can say things we don't want to say. We can react in a certain way that we don't want to react. We can have a nonverbal that we didn't intend. So if you kind of retreat temporarily and then come back and you have a little more of a, more of a level-headed mind, that will, that will really help. Because the relational maintenance part of a, of a relationship is the most important phase. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the part where you're, where you're, working through issues. And even when things are going well, where you're just sort of taking, you know, it's like the oil change of a car, right? It's like cleaning your house. It's like cleaning out your garage, you know, nothing's really broken, but you are ongoing maintenance of things. Well, what if I didn't clean my house for a year? What's it going to look like? Right. I mean, if you don't talk to your significant other, just about life and how they're feeling and what they're dealing with or 
anything they're holding on to in an ongoing fashion, because we sweep little things under the rug in relationships. Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to address that one. I'm not going to really address that one. You know, you don't fight every battle, but if you're always sweeping, 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 you're never dealing with anything, then your rug has mounds everywhere you look. Right. Right. And, yeah. it's, and you can't even, then you're walking on eggshells around each other because right. you're afraid to offend. Yeah. You're afraid to have conflict. Right. But conflict is good. You know, what did Gordon Gecko say in, in, in Wall Street, right? Greed is good, he said. Well, I say conflict is good. You just have to learn to do it appropriately and do it the right way and actually do it. Absolutely. We don't want to run from friction. We want to em- embrace that bad boy. But it's hard. But you know what? It's, we do. And that's the answer. But a lot of people, it, it's not natural. And right. they want to dance around it. They don't want to address it because we're just... We're, we're afraid to have conflict because it's a negative connotation and we think it's going to escalate. We think we're going to get our feelings hurt Yeah. when, if we can strip away some of the emotional components, you're so much better and so much more level-headed than if you're in the moment, if you're in the moment, it's probably not going to end well. Right. Uh, you know, friction, would you say friction is negative or would you say that's just a magic uh, figment of our imagination? Is it well, negative? I would, well, I mean, it's negative because we've probably built it up to be like that. You know, we, we've built up argument and conflict and disagreement with being these like gross negative type terms. And friction is, is, is going to create some heat, no doubt about it, but it's also going to, it's going to expose the things that need to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, if my, if my left elbow is hurting me and I got some friction there, right. I got the bone rubbing on bone, whatever the case is, I need to address that. Right. That's right. showing me there's an issue. I'm going to put some cream on. I'm going to go, <laughs> do I'm going to do all that stuff. And the same thing in a relationship, if there's friction there. Okay. Well, that's showing you that, Hey, there's something wrong here or something that needs to be worked on a little right. bit more. If we keep avoiding this, it's just going to get worse. Sure. Cause even if you think you've, swept it on the rug and you're all happy go lucky a week later remember you never dealt with it it's still there <laughs> guarantee you it will come up down the road because that's what happens you get into a conflict and you start bringing up stuff from six months ago a year right. ago right well, i thought we talked about this already well we you know so if you just deal with it forgive flush move on then you're on to the next one right there are those people that have a hard time flushing. I mean, people that have a, I guess I don't even know my question. Maybe it's more of a statement that there's the, there's the people that struggle in relationships because they can't let, they struggle to let go. They have a hard time getting off the negative train. Um, they do. Yeah. And just, you know, people, people have a lot more issues than than meets the eye. You look at somebody and they look normal on social Mm. media and stuff. The odds are they got something, something else going on there. We're all dealing with, with our own anxieties and shortcomings and doubts and fears. And that can cause us to to be moody. It can cause us to be anxious. And that's why you need a partner that who you, you trust completely to be vulnerable with. You don't have to be fake Mm. in front of them. You don't have to try to be somebody you're not. You can have the conflict uh, if you need to and not not shy away from it. That is so true. There's definitely strength and vulnerability if someone's willing to to take that step. Especially as, especially as men too. Men don't want to be vulnerable. Right? Probably the worst. 
we're supposed to have it all figured out, right? Because that's what yeah. society tells us. Right? Right. We're supposed to be the breadwinners, the lead, head of the household, whatever you want to call it. Don't cry. You can't show affection, all that. I'm the complete opposite of that. Like I'm the biggest you know, affection given person with my spouse and with my kids. And I'm the communication guy and the relationships piece. And I'm trying to break that stereotype for my kids uh, who they right. may see in the world. So I think they'll be a lot stronger for it. I think a lot of times guys that uh, don't, when they don't have that upbringing or, or people that get stuck in that gear, they, a lot of those guys try to, are almost, they're, they're the perfectionists. And perfectionists really struggle. I mean, the success road is really hard to grasp if you're a perfectionist, a person that feels like you have to be perfect and do everything right, never be emotional, never show that you're vulnerable. That's basically describing a perfectionist. And the thing with perfectionists is that they're always going to be anxious because we can never, ever be perfect. Yeah, right. Exactly. We, we can never be perfect. So if you're trying to attain something, become something that you know is impossible, then that is a life of anxiety because you're never going to be perfect. And that stinks. And that's the thing with success, right? The thing with success is once you find success, you need to keep being a success. You know? Yeah. So it has to just be an ongoing, an ongoing process. And, and that's where the communication piece comes into play. If, you, if you're dealing with something, you're struggling with something, this is such a mental health era. Be open, talk about it, find a therapist if you need to, or, you know, a wife, significant other friend, open up to people more and your relationships are going to be so much stronger. And you mentally are going to have such better mental fitness because of that. Right. No doubt about it. Mental fitness. I love it. Little brain gym action here with Van yes, Allen Nation. You need it. Yes, sir. <laughs> you, uh, you, you brought up stress and people being worrisome and, I'd heard you say previously that 80, you've read it, you'd, had, you'd seen some sort of research. It's funny, I'm not a huge numbers guy either, but I brought up numbers like five times in 20 minutes here. Uh, but I no, thought- I, was, put, I put research in my podcast all the time. If it's sprinkled in, it's great. You sure. know, if you're over-focused on it, it's not, but sprinkling in is, is great. It's, it's why it's there. Right. Well, I love, uh, I, I guess I'm not a big stat guy. Like I'm not a stat, I'm not, I'm not an SAT testing score uh, judge a, a, a student or a person by their grade type deal. I'm a growth guy, but I do think that, that some stats are, I do like to play the percentages in life. And you had mentioned that 85% of people's worries never actually happen. Again, kind of tying into the perfectionist or the, you know, there's a lot of insecure bosses out there. I mean, I, I can't count the number of people that I have talked to that have talked to me about management. As you know, most people don't leave jobs because they don't like the job. Most people leave jobs because of management. And a lot of times those management positions, principals, husband, wife, a lot of stuff gets separated because people are insecure. A lot of times those people are insecure. They're really worried about stuff. So what would you say to that person that, is kind of insecure. They're constantly worried about that person trying to one up them. Someone else had a big idea in a meeting and they instantly become worried that other people are going to feel like they're smarter than her or him or whatever. What do you say to that person? 
Stay in your lane. That's what I say. That was my one word for 2020 was lane, L-A-N-E. We can't get caught up in this comparison game. Yeah. As soon as you get caught up in the comparison game, you lose sight on what your, what your goals are. And you start focusing on other people and other people's goals. And there's no way to live your life looking left and looking right all the time. That's no way to live. And you're going to lose every single time because we just can't be measuring ourselves up to other people. We're different. We're all different, unique individuals. We all have different ideas. And, you know, in that type of scenario, focus on your own ideas, focus on your own contributions. And hey, if somebody has a great idea, be, be a good person and congratulate on them, congratulate them on that, and then offer to help in that area. And then use that as fuel to say, so-and-so had a great idea. It's a legit great idea. What can I do now? What piece can I add? And just use it as motivation to say, say, how can I now contribute to the team as well? And look at it as everybody's contributing equally. What can I bring into the table too, without saying, without feeling down or bad about yourself or jealous, right? I mean, we have all these jealous feelings that somebody's doing well or more successful or this or that. Well, you know what? Success is, is, is subjective. Okay. Right. And we all find success very differently. No doubt. So Managers and leaders need to just look at, look at, focus on yourself, stay in your lane, develop your own ideas, develop some thicker skin where you don't let those side feelings come in with how other people are doing around you and try, try to just be genuinely happy for other successes because you surely want them to be happy when you find success. Oh, good stuff, buddy. I got a random question for you. What, what actor would play the role of Van Allen Nation if they could play your life. So what, 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 what actor would play you in a movie? Who would that be? So I've been told that I sound like Jeremy Piven. Uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if he'd play me, but I've been told I sound like him. If anybody <laughs> has ever watched the show Entourage, he uh -huh. was, he was the agent on Entourage, Jeremy Piven. But the actor that would play me and my role and my life, well, I would want to say The Rock because he's uh, incredible. <laughs> and he's just so full of life and, and personality. So I would want to say him. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, oh, there's a lot of great actors out there. If somebody, I think somebody who is, is genuine and who's funny and who's, who's really passionate about, about, about life and about about people and and that that's that's what i'd say so some some combination of jeremy piven and the rock i'd say okay that's pretty good <laughs> all right biceps having a hard time staying inside the t-shirt of dr yes, right. ben allen over there <laughs> that's right yeah beast mode over there yes sir uh well hey bud we're about out of time uh went fast could you got 30 to 45 seconds 30 to 45 seconds to speak to our audience. How can they out improve their previous best self? Okay. So how can they out improve their previous best self? I'm going to say it's, it's gotta be for me. It's gotta be finding your purpose and knowing your purpose. So your previous best self, your, your new best self is going to be somebody who's living their purpose. It's going to be somebody who is in a career or giving their time to something they feel is their true purpose. Because when you're living and walking in your purpose, you feel like you're planted 
And when you're planted somewhere in a community or in a job, you're going to be happier. You're going to be more joyful. You're going to be more willing to share ideas and develop stronger ideas and develop stronger relationships with people because you're genuinely happy to be there, right? Your, your needs are all being met because you feel like your life has reached its purpose. You've found your purpose. That's why we're here. We're here to be in relation with each other and we're here to live, discover, find our purpose. Ooh, good. So good, man. I, uh, I know that you're a busy guy and you've got a family and I'm, I'm crushing you during the holiday season. So I, I, really, uh, I really appreciate you making the time to be with us today. No, absolutely. And it's, it's been, I'm glad that your listeners are, are listening to these shows and trying to be their best selves and you're trying to help people and, and I'm trying to help people. And, you know, that's why we have, that's why we have these, these, these platforms and, and, and I'm happy to be here doing this. Hey, before we, before we break, could you uh, please tell us and tell everybody how, what's the best, tell us a little bit about your podcast and tell us how can we best get a hold of you? Sure. My podcast is available everywhere. It's called Communicate to Motivate. Communicate to Motivate. Uh, and thank you, John Gordon, for helping me discover that that name. We like the little rhyming thing there. Mm-hmm. You can find that anywhere. It's uh, everywhere. Apple, Spotify, Google. You can find it anywhere. You can find me on social media at Jim Van Allen, V as in Victor, A-N-A-L-L-A-N on Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm always trying to put some positive, worthwhile content out there for sure. Awesome, buddy. Well, I really appreciate you. I I can't wait to follow all the amazing things you have in 2021. And uh, you make it a great day. You too. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.